0: Welcome to Cavalier Central, bringing you everything you need to know about the wine and gold.
1: Hey hoopheads! we all hate ankle sprains, and they happen way too often. Ankle injuries are the number one sports-related injury. Arise is trying to change that. With the iFast, your athletes get preventative protection and full mobility. with promo code HOOPHEADS to get 20% off.
0: Hey, everybody. Welcome back. I'm your host, Justin Matcham. Back with me today from the Sportitude podcast, from the Across the Cavs podcast, Zach Weiss. What is up, Zach?
2: Justin, good morning, man. Um, All is good. Good I'm I'm excited to talk Cavs, baby. Let's get it. I haven't done this in... It's been too long. It has
0: been... It's been a while now. So uh, today... We have some trades. What we're going to do here is just look back at this past decade, look back at some of our favorite trades, whether they're the most beneficial to the Cavs or just ones that we liked in particular. So um, I had six on my list. Zach has eight on his list. So we'll start with a couple of your trades, Zach, if you want to take it away.
2: Yep. so quick explanation. None of these were done because they were my favorite. I thought that <clears throat> this is an order of, of impact on the organization and how i thought the Cavs played as a result of these trades all right so coming in at number eight i have the Cavs acquiring josh selby wayne ellington and most baits from memphis for john lawrence and some late round picks uh justin the reason i have this trade in is obvi- obviously the Cavs won almost nothing in the, the 2012-13 season i believe that was the year this was made but both those guys brought some excitement to the Cavs. it had been a tough year to watch kyrie was in and out of the lineup they didn't win much and, you know, obviously, Byron Scott was not doing the best of job. This was his final season at the helm. But Wayne Ellington came in, and he was a fantastic scorer. So was Mo Spates. And I just think in a year where you go through all these players, they north of 22 guys, I think, in the lineup that year. It's just good to have guys that keep fans engaged in what was a rebuilding time. So I think both of those guys had some fantastic performances, and I think they're worthy enough to be on the list.
0: Yeah, I think... You look at both a Most Spates and a Wayne Ellington, I think they can both be kind of fun players, especially Spates. You know, I mean, in a rebuilding time like that, they're not obviously not put you over the top pieces, really. I, I, I think their overall impact in Cleveland is very, very small. But two players who are, you know, fun guys to watch. And like you said, just kind of in a period where Kyrie is out a lot and you're just not winning a ton of games. Something to keep people engaged, I think, is... A good thing to have so i like that trade i did not have that one on my list if you want to go on to your next year yep
2: tier. so i assume you don't have my next one either this was done the following season the Cavs made two huge deadline deals in 2013-14 my number seven trade: Cavs acquire spencer Hawes for earl clark henry sims and two second rounders and you know i'm leaving the all dang trade off for various reasons i i really when he was there never saw the fact that he wasn't happy there didn't like being there Sometimes as a fan, you're just watching the games and your social media wasn't as prevalent even seven years ago like it is even now, and Luol Dang wasn't a guy that was ever out there. He wasn't dropping the Eric so I don't want to be here. <laughs> but I- I'm going Spencer Hawes instead because they got him. I think Verajao had already gone down again, sadly, so he was hurt, and it gave them a really nice starting center because Spencer Hawes before he left Cleveland and everything started to unravel, had been a guy that, it's a rarity in the league, Justin, a center that can pick up triple doubles occasionally for his passing and ability to make the three. Huh. But he was fun. He averaged, what, 14-7 and in and 29 minutes a game over the, ha- the quarter season with the Cavs. Earl Clark completely underperformed, and he wasn't doing much. Earl Henry- Clark, All right. lord. <laughs> I mean, lord. I'm sure there's an Earl Clark fan club popular Twitter account, because that's what happens with the guys like Earl Clark for one or two guys that loved him. Henry Sims thrived in Philly before basically bowing out in the NBA quietly, but I was happy for him. And the Cavs never really drafted much in the LeBron era anyway, which is when those second-rounders were, were used. But I thought Spencer, like the first two guys, was fun to watch. Thought he brought a positive attitude, and I wish they kept him. But it all worked out in the end. Um, we'll get to my number six trade, and this is that's a big reason why it was okay to let Hawes go.
0: You want to just go on to your six now and I'll start mine then?
2: That sounds good, Justin. So my number six trade happened the following season. Cavaliers sent two first-round picks to the Denver Nuggets for Timofey Mozgov, who, before the Cavs got him, was known for his 93-point, very bad typo, that was my 29-rebound <laughs> effort. The funny thing was he had 29 rebounds, and he had scored 93 points, but the way the graphic was highlighted said the 29 rebounds was the career high and not the 93 points but you look at Fey's impact he did not technically help bring a title to the Cavs but what he did do is in that first finals no love and no Kyrie he had a 29 point game he was a great rim protector in Cleveland I mean, he got dunked all over by Blake Griffin as a rookie four years earlier but Justin and I liked what he brought I mean he didn't ever try to do too much and we were still kind of at a point where you need a rim protector to win you can't go small and I thought Timofei was really solid, especially given that he had to play next to Tristan. The fact that he had some nice offensive performances is impressive to me.
0: Yeah, I, I was going to mention that just back in a time where you could still play the big, slow-footed Timofei Mozgov and Tristan Thompson on the floor at the same time. A short while ago, but <laughs> something you would never see now. Yeah. I, I also, this was one that I kept off my list. Again, I just, I like Timofei. He gave us, you know, one really, really good year, I thought. Kind of a a frustrating player to watch for me at times. I think you know, just not someone who is you know super aggressive around the rim. At least not as much as I wanted him to be. But I feel that I'll always I'll always like Timofey Mozgov. Again, it's hard to not like anybody who was on that that championship team. But um, I'll start with my number six trade, which was the Kyle Corver acquisition. It was Kyle Corver to Cleveland. Dunleavy, Mo Williams, and a protected first round pick back to Atlanta. Obviously, Corver spent, you know, part of three seasons with Cleveland. He shot forty five percent from three on five attempts a game, which him playing with LeBron was just the best thing I have ever seen on a basketball court. Um, and they eventually, you know, I mean, that trade ended up turning into Alec Burks in two seconds, you know, once we were done with Kyle, so Overall, Kyle Korver, not really one of my favorite Cavaliers, but one of my favorite players ever. You know, I think struggled some in the playoffs with the Cavs, but overall was a huge pick me up for the Cavs.
2: Yeah, so I I like that one, Justin. I I looked, I considered putting it on if I had an extra, but the reason I leave that one off is I just think about the shots he missed in the playoffs and in the finals. Like I love Kyle Korver. Watching him at age 39 doing what he did for the Bucs this year is just unbelievable He's looking like the same guy that led the NBA and made threes. His second season in the NBA, when he made 226 threes in his second year, it was uncommon for guys to eclipse 180, 190. So for a second-year man to be to be drafted as late as he was to do that, he hasn't lost a step. Still got that same flow on his hair. But yeah, I I just didn't like. I don't think his impact on the Cavs is enough for me to put him on just I just always remember that missed corner three in the finals that could have won them a game against Golden State and I mean I love him I loved having him I love Kyle Korver more than I love any other guy that just straight-up shoots but he I mean, just missed my cut that's fair you'll go into your number five then yeah so at number five we got Cavs acquire Isaiah Thomas Jay Crowder on tases the number eight pick from Boston for Kyrie Irving the only reason this even makes the list is because of Colin Sexton. And I debated putting this higher. I really did. But I, I think about what the Cavs gave up. They gave up their, their cornerstone. You know, number one pick six years earlier who helped him get the chip. He did everything right on the court until he did everything wrong off the court. And that's still going on. That's for another, another, another team's podcast, not ours. But... Uh, I mean, Kyrie was fantastic. And just at the time that we can get a guy like Isaiah Thomas, who was an All-NBA player, 30-point score, dropped 50 in the playoffs, I'm mourning the death of his recently deceased sister, and the, the fact that he was able to go on, RIP China Thomas, but the fact that he was able to still go on and do all that was exceptional. You know, hard over height. Uh, having gone to school in Boston, I saw the Pick Me Last Again sign all over South Station every time I went back to college. Several times I took the train and saw that. Reminds me of how hard he works. I saw several Celtic games while he was there. He had some great performances. I don't know that he'll come back to full strength again. He was terrible on the Cavs. He got left out of the LeBron shoulder bump after the Minnesota game winner, and he was traded the next day. Uh, Sketchy, yes. um, But, I mean, they got Jay Crowder, who they ended up flipping to get, I think, was that the Korver deal? where they... No, for which uh, one? who one? When they traded Crowder, who did they bring in for him? Is that that George Hill?
0: Was, like, we also dumped Derek Rose in that deal. Yep. And
2: who came back? I'm blanking. Either way, we'll, we'll get back to that. But, yeah, and yeah,
0: we'll get back to that. Zizich
2: was what he was, but they got Colin Sexton. Basically, they traded Kyrie for a stopgap point guard that became George Hill, that became Colin Sexton, and. I mean, Collins got to be on here. I know he was just a pick, and the pick should have been higher than eight. It's unfortunate. That was the pick that so many teams coveted for so long to, mm-hmm. for it to end up with the Cavs and helping them. When, if, if they didn't make this trade, just say, and they didn't have a pick from when LeBron left, I don't know where they would have been last season. So that's why it's number five.
0: It's kind of funny. We were yet to have a trade that we. Both have on our list. I kept that one off of my wow. list again. All right,
2: we're, 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 I, I, We'll get there. I,
0: I love Colin Sexton. You know, we've talked about Colin plenty on this podcast. But overall, I just think the disappointment of Isaiah Thomas, the disappointment of Jake Crowder, the disappointment, the disappointment of Zuzic was just I, I couldn't put it on. And we were talking about you know Isaiah Thomas. Did you see that he did have a hip resurfacing procedure? Over this offseason,
2: so... Back with an extreme, with a super specialist, we'll say. So, I'm eager. I hope he goes back to Boston, personally.
0: I mean, hey, that'd be cool. But, you know, we've seen him say, it seems like, you know, four or five times now that he's back and going to be 100%. But this time, he's saying, I'm really back and I'm 100%. So, he says there's no more pain. He's got his full range of motion. He's been trying to play on one leg for the past few years. So, who knows? Maybe... Maybe he does come back. I think he'll get another shot with a team, especially after this. We'll see how well it goes. My number five trade. I had the Channing Fry trade. So it was Channing Fry to Cleveland, Anderson Verjao, and a protected first to Portland, Jared Cunningham, and a second-round pick to Orlando. The Cavs get Channing Fry. 39% three-point shooter over his four seasons with the Cavs. Again, that technically counts the one season where he came back as well. But somebody who was just... Again, a perfect LeBron player where a stretch big, you can just have him sit in the corner or on the wing and LeBron can give him endless open three-point looks. But also just the culture thing, you know, a lot of people have said, a lot of people have said that the Cavs don't win that ring without Channing Frye just because of what he does off the floor. You know, he kind of made that locker room fun again. Obviously, we know the dynamic with him and RJ Richard Jefferson the Cavs get off of Anderson Verizhou in that trade as well. You know, I mean, he was just, he didn't have a whole lot left to give. You know, Portland obviously then waived him and he signed with Golden State, which, uh, damaged my, my, um, positive view of Anderson Verizhou at that point. But I'm glad I didn't get his ring with Golden State. So in the end, Channing Fry number five for me.
2: Uh, two two quick notes on that, then I'll weigh in on your trade. And we'll move on to number four. I won't wait, uh, dwell on this, but it's so funny how sometimes it's got to be on the right team at the right time. Pat McCall got three three rings in three years. He happened to be on the Warriors during their winning years, and then he goes to the Raptors when yes. the Warriors lose. And Anderson Varejao played for the Cavs the first year when they lost, and the Warriors the year that they, the only year that they lost. <laughs> Al- Alfonso McKinney lost with the was with the Raptors the year before they won, and then lost. Mm-hmm. With the Warriors, it, it just, he got so unlucky. Yeah. I'll just add about that trade. Channing Fry was great, and I think his time in Phoenix definitely gave him that leadership voice. Don't think he learned much on the Knicks or the Blazers, but when he goes to play with Steve Nash and Shaq, and I'll also say that he was an awful fit in Orlando. The signing made no sense because it took away from Aaron Gordon, and they may have even had Serge Baca overlap Channing Fry's time there, unless my time frame is off, but. Um, I, I was glad to get Channing. It's off my list, though. Like He was great, but I just don't see his impact as being large enough in and of itself to be more than uh, the other ones I have ahead. But uh, I, the fact that we disagree kind of shows where, our, where we value players' experience and what they bring to the team, which is good to see, though. You know, we're yeah. not all Cavs fans think alike.
0: I like this. I'm liking this. So you want to go on to your next?
2: Yeah, so my number four trade also involves Kyrie Irving. Cavaliers acquired Baron Davis in 2011 first-round pick for Mo Williams and Jamario Moon. And I would have put this in just for Baron Davis. Cause, yeah, he was a little washed, and I know he was dealing with uh, some family tragedies, which took him away for several games, but he was, he was enjoyable to watch. I mean think about what Baron Davis did with the We Believe Warriors and with the new, uh, the Hornets in his early days. He was an electric point guard in a league where there have never been more than a few at a time. I mean, he didn't have the athletic ability anymore, but he could get shots. He was a good passer. I mean, Baron Davis probably still retired too early. He could have played longer with the Knicks. <clears throat> Surprised he went out when he did, but Baron gave the Cavs a fun veteran to start at point guard and, you know, Mo Williams, uh really wasn't he was a great player for the Cavs, but to get the pick that turned into number one for mo and jamario incredible i mean the Cavs don't get kyrie irving if they don't trade mo williams to the clippers i mean they got kyrie irving they got the number one pick in a trade a few months before the draft that's, that's not gonna happen again no team would ever trade that pick again but just the luck of the balls made this a fantastic trade for cleveland
0: yeah, that's gonna just be another one of those Clippers trades that goes down in infamy. Um, we'll get to this trade for me. I do have this one on my list, but it's a little bit further up at number four for me. And technically, this might be cheating because I also included it on my draft pick when we did that pod when we did that podcast. But at number four, I had Kevin Porter Jr. for four second round picks: a Utah second rounder, a two Portland second rounders, and a Miami second rounder. Um. Obviously, I I think there was some cash involved in that too. Going to going out in that trade, but Kevin Porter Jr. Obviously, we've only seen one year of him. But the Cavaliers spent that entire that entire past season, you know, just trying to acquire second round picks, acquire assets, and they cashed in on that. And obviously, we've seen what Kevin Porter can do. He's a lot. Many in the in the franchise say that he is the most promising prospect on this team. Even over Sexton, so Kevin Porter comes in at number four again. I think this one has a potential to skyrocket a lot higher, but as of right now, I'm going to stick it there.
2: I, I like that's in there for you, Justin. It's just funny how the Cavs do second round picks. They when they when they got Spencer Hawes, they gave up two. When they gave up Clarkson, they brought in two. When mm-hmm. they give up Porter, they have all these stockpiled. It's funny how. It seems like the Cavs have more second-round picks stockpiled than both the Sixers and Celtics. You get a lot of credit for stockpiling second-round picks. So how about how about Kobe Altman outwitting, you know, those G, uh, Elton Brand <laughs> and uh, Danny Ainge? I think,
0: I think those two are just known for hoarding first-round picks as well, which the Cavaliers don't really do.
2: Yeah, the Celtics hoard the 14th pick every single year on it. Like, watch the next <laughs> Tyler Hero get picked at 13, and then there's the Celtics taking, oh, we couldn't get this guy, so we just settled for him. Poor Romeo Langford. But anyway, this is the cast podcast. So we'll, we'll keep it on brand. But that's not on my list, but I like that it. it's on yours, Justin. KPJ has been so fun to watch. I mean, kind of like with Shaquille Harrison. We're seeing Kenny Beecham, you know, uh, new How to Highlights guy. He's a fantastic dude uh, on all platforms. <laughs> there was the big debate about Shaquille Harrison's height. And finally, he confirmed it with Shaquille himself. The Bulls in their birthday post literally created an RT-like poll for his height. We need to we need the Caps to do this with Kevin Porter Jr. because he is not six three six four. I mean, you watch no, him. No, he's, he's a, six
0: five six six. Yeah, he
2: may maybe even maybe we can debate six seven in heels, but mm, I, it, that's a little much. <laughs> uh, he'll never wear them, so we will never be able to truly do it. But I, just come on, he's not six four. V six four. The the new measurements are pretty bad across the league for what where some guys stand. But great trade. Love Kevin Porter Jr. And they, I hope he's a cavalier for life. I and mean, you don't say that after one year for the 30th overall pick that scored six points as many times as he scored 25 points. But his upside is so high. So please keep him, Cleveland.
0: We're into our top three now.
2: All right. Number three. This is maybe I was in the, my college dining hall cafeteria waiting to get some sesame chicken from the uh, Asian station when I found out about this trade. I don't remember if I was with a friend or not, but I'm pretty sure I let out a, a Yelp inside the cafeteria when this happened. Uh, number three, Cavs acquired Jordan Clarkson and Larry Nance Jr. for an aging Channing Frye and a beat-up Isaiah Thomas. I mean, there was also a first-round pick in there, but it, it, this trade was pure genius. If you watched the Lakers for the previous two years, I watched every—they had, for some reason— Because Kobe—well, it makes sense. Kobe was going to retire. The team was awful, but they still got all these national TV games. You can watch them without even having to go out of your way to find a stream or league pass. I just loved watching Jordan Clarkson on these Lakers teams, man. He went from point guard his first year to complete shooting guard. He got buckets. He can get hot. He did score the last basket. Kobe assisted his final ever basket to Jordan Clarkson, which makes him— uh, basically invincible in, in in the basketball world. But they got Larry Nance Jr., as athletic as it gets. I loved watching him as his, his first couple of years with the Lakers, too. They had to give up a point guard that wasn't fitting in well and a guy in Channing Frye that wasn't going to be a big piece of a title. And yes, the Cavs obviously got destroyed in the finals. But you remember that first game against Boston, the Paul Pierce jersey retirement? Oh, yeah.
0: that'll That'll, that'll forever make that trade worth it.
2: Forever. They were, Larry Nance was a, just solely a center at this point, but he was playing well in his limited minutes, and I mean, I loved that team. I mean, Clarkson obviously had a bad postseason, but he made up for it over the next year and a half in the regular season. These guys were good fits despite what happened in the playoffs, and they're I, I couldn't imagine Isaiah starting at point guard for the Cavs in that postseason. they probably no, lose to no, Indiana if that nothing. happens, so... Ah, just what a trade and what a steal and they got Fry back we should add so really they only gave up isaiah who hasn't they did
0: get fry back they did end up resigning chaining fry
2: this, this trade was i know there was a again there's a first round pick involved the fact that i couldn't tell you who, who the pick was used on i think that maybe was mo Wagner. yeah and what happened he's now a backup on the wizards no disrespect i really like mo Wagner, but he's Cavs,
0: solid the Cavs fleeced this trade See, I kind of feel the other way. Okay, so I'll start by saying this was one that I heavily debated putting on my list, but kept off. Off completely. I, I Okay, so obviously, I love Larry Nance. I really like Jordan Clarkson. But I think for what we got that season, in a season where I was really hoping the Cavs would go all in, Larry Nance, Larry Nance. Larry Nance, nice acquisition. Jordan Clarkson, obviously, again, I I, I'm a big fan of his, especially after his kind of last season where he really kind of took, you know, embraced his role. But um, I just think what Jordan Clarkson gave us in that playoff series was very, very disappointing. We'll leave it at that. Um, Again, and just in a time where I thought that the Cavs would be going more all in, it seemed like they just kind of made a move that was just kind of sideways. Again, Larry Nance contributed throughout that entire season. They obviously gave up the first round pick, which again, you know, could have been something, could have, it ended up as Mo Wagner, I think, which is not a world beater. But the other thing that this did for the Lakers was clear up the cap space for LeBron to sign in LA, which I'm sure that they could have found a way anyway if they didn't do this trade. But the Cavaliers basically just said here, you know, Here's everything, you know, here's every all the money that you need to to go out and get LeBron. They made it that much easier for him, and they gave him a first-round pick in the process. So between that and I think just the, the disappointment of Jordan Clarkson in that playoffs, I, I kept this one off my list. Again, this was one that I think overall benefited the Cavs in the long run, because LeBron was probably gone anyway. And, you know, we still have Nance who I again I love as a player, I love as a person. But I did keep it off of my list.
2: And so maybe this was a... I, I hate when people say LGM, so I'm not going to say that. But LeBron definitely, maybe, he was, he was playing chess with this one. He he was playing some 60 chess. Yeah, he was playing some 60 chess. He wanted to play with them for half a season so he could ditch them after that half season and not have to play with them in his new home. But that that's, <laughs> that it's going to be a great rest of finals. But uh, we're going to get to that later, I'm sure. But... Uh, yeah. Just, yep. Yeah, that that's that's my closing thoughts on that. All
0: right. Well, I'll get to my number three trade, the JR Shumpert trade. Shumpert spent four parts of four seasons with the Cavs. Um, you know, played a very important role, especially early on. We know what JR brings. You know, he was at the time Shumpert was supposed to be the big acquisition. I think was Shumpert hurt when we traded for him, and that's why JR kind of start filled in as the starting shooting guard and just played outstanding and ended up keeping the role. You've never supposed so, to be like that, yep. I think the deal was um J.R. Schump and a protected pick to Cleveland, Lou Amundsen, Alex Kirk, and a second rounder, and Lance Thomas to the New York Knicks, and Dion Waiters to OKC. So I think between getting Schumpert, who again, especially early on, was just a super duper energy defender. Uh, Jr. Smith obviously the, the the wild threes were worth it alone. We got the JR experience out of this trade which is going over that that we, we get the without this trade we never get the J, the Jason Terry meetup in the middle of a game where JR gave up a, a wide open layup to go meet up with Jason Terry. Um, we never get the soup attack on Damon Jones. And we never get the the shirtless celebration in the final or after the finals because, you know, maybe Jr. doesn't hit those two threes in the third quarter of Game Seven. Maybe the the tide turns the other way. So, obviously, a lot going on here. We also got off of Dion Waiters, which at the time just needed to happen. So this
2: was my number three. That's a good trade. That's all I have to say on that.
1: Hoopheads Nation, we appreciate you listening to this episode of Cavaliers Central with Justin Matcham. Be sure to check out these other basketball pods on the Hoopheads Podcast Network, including Thrive with Trevor Huffman, Beyond the Ball, the CoachMaze.com podcast, Players Court, Bleachers and Boards, and our other three team-focused NBA pods, Grizz and Grind, Knuck a Few Buck, and the 305 Culture Miami Heat Podcast. Oh, and don't forget to check out our flagship, the Hoopheads podcast, hosted by me, Mike Cleansing, and my co-host Jason Sunkel, featuring the best minds in the game from grassroots to the NBA.
0: Do we want to get to your uh, your number two then?
2: Yeah, my number two trade. Mike sounds a little familiar. Cavs acquire J.R. Smith and Iman Jumpert from New York. <laughs> Send out Lou Amundsen, who was a beast as a Nick, and even got a post-game interview in one of their wins. I'll add that. Who would have expected that from a guy that wore 89? Lance Thomas and Alex Kirk, who actually played— I thought he played more than five games. was doing some digging. He did not play— A.J. Price played more minutes as the Cav than Alex Kirk. That just makes me laugh, to be honest. Uh, There's a 2019 <laughs> second rounder, and then Dion goes to the Thunder, where he rocks LeBron's 23. That was pretty cool to see, not going to lie. Deion looks pretty good in 23, which I could buy that shirt. You now, he had his ups and downs in Cleveland, but yeah, I mean, you got the full JR experience. JR matured more than he ever had before. And I mean, yeah, he dapped up Jason Terry. He threw soup at his coach. He forgot the score of a finals game, but... I didn't even... I didn't want to mention it. <laughs> uh, it has to be said, but... Justin, J.R. Smith was a huge shot maker, helped him win Game 7, helped them get there. I mean, he did also injure Jay Crowder, and that, that wasn't too nice, but <laughs> that's what it is. Now they're going at each other again, not head-to-head, though. Not Jr.'s only played about 15 minutes in the finals, but, you know, he was great as a Cav. Shumps had the four-point play, you remember, in the NBA Finals that I remember well. Mm-hmm. He had his moments. He struggled to score, but he was athletic. And you know, I loved both of them. I was happy for Lou Amundsen to kinda of get out of there and go find his home in New York. My Lance Thomas did not come from the Cavs. I wanted to reiterate obviously not came from okay, yeah. see? Yep. Alex Kirk wasn't working out. They got rid of him. Uh, they got they got Dion out to kinda of open up the floor a little bit more for the guards, but I mean JR had so many great moments as a Cavs, so I was so happy to have him there. And yeah, he was a super meme. But without those two guards, what do they do? I don't. They're not going anywhere. So, um, and no disrespect to Mike Miller or Young Joe Harris, but they could not have filled this vo- or Sean Marion. Even they couldn't have played these shooting guard minutes if they wanted to win, because it it would have been a carousel. Who plays now? Who plays tomorrow? And they would have been. I don't know who would have played the shooting guard minutes in the finals if they didn't have these guys. The first yeah. year
0: so looking back at the JR. experience did he when he threw somebody like a random person's phone into a construction site was he still in the Cavs then
2: yeah was he that, still under contract that was after LeBron was gone and he had played six games that year but yeah I forgot he might have been I forgot about that he might have acted no you I know think what? He was, I think it was in New I, York I think it happened in New York and he had I been think away he was from under the contract team. though still technically but they agreed on a mutual yeah I forgot about that. that was great, <laughs> uh, unless you're the guy like, who lost his phone. But it's great otherwise.
0: Yeah, I think he, somebody tried to take a picture of him, so he just took their phone and threw it into a construction site. Classic. So, um, moving on here, I'm on to my number two trade. Yep. And I think that this will be your number one trade. Probably. Kevin Love to the Cavs. The Cavs dump Bennett. The trade was Kevin Love to Cleveland, Andrew Wiggins, and Anthony Bennett. And Thaddeus Young to Minnesota. Uh 2015 first round pick, Alexi Shved, and Luke Mbamute, all that coming from Minnesota to Philadelphia. Like I said, the Cavs dump Bennett. They don't have to worry about the Wiggins experiment or whoever else they may have drafted. Um, and obviously Kevin Love is still here today. So yep, sure. you know, we're yet to see what we're gonna have to, what we're gonna get out of that. We've already gotten one ring out of him. I don't think we're gonna get another. I don't know why I say it like that. But um, just, you know, what Kevin has done here and his patience with the organization through all the trade rumors, I think, you know, I mean, I, I don't have to say a lot about this. I mean, we all know what Kevin Love has done here, but there was one trade that I have over this. So we'll Dear get to that it. in a minute. If you want to talk about the Kevin Love trade. Oh, world. no,
2: I, I'll close us off with that. So I give some different thoughts. Why don't you take us away with your number one? Then I'll give mine. What do we got? I'm curious about this one. Very curious.
0: My number one trade was the Baron Davis trade. Oh, actually,
2: yeah, that makes sense. <laughs> <laughs> played
0: played this. 15 glorious games in Cleveland. Played well in those games. I think he averaged 14 points. Um, the Cavs took on his contract, which was the reason that the Clippers gave that first-round pick to the Cavs, was to just get off of his money. I think there was over $28 million left on that contract. But the Cavaliers just so happened that everybody in the league just so happened to have the amnesty clause that off season, so they were able to waive him and get all, all off all of that money after the season, and still get the pick, which the Cavaliers got Kyrie with. So that is my number one
2: incredible deal. Yeah, I, only fourteen, fifteen game high. I thought it was more. Either way, yeah. All right, it's my number one trade. Yep. Cavs acquire Kevin Love for Minnesota for Wiggins and Bennett. I know we've I've talked about this with, with you and with Dan before. I never mm-hmm. I wanted Anthony Bennett to succeed so bad. I really did. I was a little upset when they got rid of him because I thought he had potential in a year two situation, but didn't know how to play defense. You know, he had some health issues, he had some sleeping problems to go with some breathing issues, so it made it a little harder for him even. This never gets talked about and why he struggled, but nevertheless, he was a number one pick. He can't play like a number 61 pick when there's only 60 in a draft. But, you know, it's what it is. And Wiggins, I was curious to see how he would have played as a two guard. He's been a small forward for most of his career, where he's going to be in Golden State now. I'm excited to see him play there. Absolutely. With the former Cav Marquis, Chris, I have to get a. Because there's a former Cav, it's all relevant. You know how that is, Justin. Yeah, yeah,
0: yeah, yeah. We know about it.
2: But, yeah, uh, Kevin Love has been a model citizen, you know, not only on the court, but. And I think this matters because when you're in a situation like the Cavs and everything's going so wrong and you have all this negative media, to see Kevin Love, especially on Mental Health Awareness Day today, just to see a guy like that who is such a model citizen for the city of Cleveland and for all those that struggle with mental health, its it's been a – obviously, during – the Cavs haven't even been able to play, so I can't imagine what Kevin Love's had to go through now, not being able to play any basketball for these last several months. Mm-hmm. But he is just such – and obviously it's helped by DeMar DeRozan being so open, but Kevin Love has been such a model for this and how to get, it just, it, it's, it's so simple. Some the solution can be so simple, but for so many, it's so hard to achieve, but Kevin Love being in as popular as he is in the sports world. And obviously in another situation, he, all, he also been a model for several clothing lines. I only mention that because he has an even bigger pull than some other athletes because of that, so, just, and the fact that he helped the Cavs win a title, he locked down Steph. He's been a bucket. He had 35 points in a quarter. On top of that, with what he's done off the court, I mean, it's a win-win. Wiggins has had a hard time playing for a lot of coaches. He just doesn't always have it. Ryan Saunders really pushed him to 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 bring out his best, and I think that Steve Curl will do the same. But just Kevin Love, for his impact on the city of Cleveland, maybe the biggest for anybody other than LeBron in the last several decades for what he's done I mean I know this doesn't affect Cleveland directly Justin but the fact that he wears a Cavs uniform and does all this I think can argue it puts him up there
0: I, I think that that bumps him up the list a little bit I think that that's a good point um before we move on here any final thoughts about the trades
2: yeah sorry i couldn't get you in anton jameson you were traded before 2010 uh <laughs> you could have been amari stoudemire but they didn't want to trade jj hickson uh i liked jj hickson but i had no idea this was going on back then i liked anton jameson and i guess my least favorite Cavs trade my favorite Cavs trade obviously delhi coming back everyone knows how i feel yeah. about him but trading joe harris might have been one of the worst trades and i know he didn't even succeed until several years later but to see what he's doing now and to think that could have been what the Cavs had next to LeBron, if they just gave him a chance, just really stinks. So, got I think the Rule
0: Deng trade could be put up there with the worst, two. Just kind of a, a win-now move when they weren't trying to, you know, just a, a bad win-now trade that ended up really backfiring.
2: That's fair. And If Andrew Bynum didn't disrupt practice, then uh, who knows? <laughs> he could have been the cornerstone center with LeBron that would have won year one. They would have kept the picks so. from Ozgov, but he just didn't give two hoots. He was just bowling with Philly and breaking his knee, and then he was just – who knows? He had a 2010-5 game, and it came out the next day. What a – oh, man. What a <laughs> weird time. I was so excited about Andrew Bynum.
0: You want to know something I didn't realize? This was just kind of while I was looking through the – um, I was looking through the transaction log for the Cavs. It's not a trade – I did not realize that the Cavs signed Kyle Lowry to an offer sheet back in 2010. They did? Yes, back when he was with the Rockets. The Cavaliers signed him to a four-year offer sheet, like up, worth up to $24
2: <laughs> To think, just You know what my takeaway is? Is that the fact that Kyle Lowry was ever worth that little to do what he's become now? That's, yeah. I know it's a different era. The top point guards are making 10 to 14 million. That's incredible. He's making the thirty-four million a year now, but and that was
0: that was before Kyle Lowry became Kyle Lowry. Yeah, that was, that was Rockets Kyle Lowry, not Raptors Kyle. He was still Lowry, nice but, though. He um, was
2: about 15 yeah, points, he was, and he had to compete he, for minutes with Aaron Brooks, who was just most improved. So
0: yeah, I think Mo Williams would have been the guy to compete with in Cleveland. That's before the Baron Davis trade. So say that I mean, obviously the, the Rockets were always going to match that, but say that they don't match that. Say the Cavs get Kyle Lowry. You know, do we take? Do we trade for Baron Davis still? You know, do we? If if we get that number one overall pick, do we take Derrick Williams instead of Kyrie because we already have Kyle Lowry? So
2: man, at least Derrick Williams got to play for the Cavs in a real he scenario did. and didn't have the pressure of a former number two pick while doing it. But dang, I remember the Gordon Hayward offer sheet pretty well, but mm-hmm. I did not remember the Lowry one. That's 2010. You know what I'll say, Justin. Uh 2010 was a heck of a time. That's that's, that's all that's how I'll say it cuz everything was going crazy in 2010. It was transactions on steroids in 2010 across the NBA. Especially in Detroit where they they beefed up for they they didn't wait, they wanted to build something so they spent all their money on Charlie V and Ben Gordon. I mean, Charlie Villanueva. Uh, th- yeah. Yeah. But, hey, and the fact with, with all the the health issues he had that he can make the NBA, though, is incredible. He doesn't get talked yeah. about enough, but still not a good signing at all. No. That's no. where I end. Let's get back on the Cavs, Cavs train though.
0: All right. Well, we're going to wrap up the trades there. There is something else I want to talk about. John Hollinger, I think. Um, it was, I may have been on the Hollinger and Duncan podcast or somewhere else, suggested that the Celtics could be interested in Larry Nance Jr., who we were just talking about. Obviously, it makes sense for the Celtics to, you know, be interested in somebody like that who's just kind of a switchy big who can fl- really play three through five. I don't know if he'll, I don't know if another team would give him the, you know, experimentation of playing at the three, but definitely a high quality big who can do a lot for you. So, I mean, I, I don't think it's just the Celtics that would be interested in him. I think it'd be plenty of teams. He's on a good contract. The potential deal that Hollinger threw out there was Ennis Cantor, Vincent Poirier, And the 14th overall pick in this coming draft for Larry Nance. Alright,
2: well, uh, I really like Dennis Cantor, I do, but not on my favorite team. I'll add that right there. What he did for Portland last year with the shoulder injury and during Ramadan, not eating or drinking during the game, is never going to get the respect it deserves. He's been an incredible pro throughout his career, and OKC, even though he had been very effective before. He was getting no minutes because he couldn't play next to Stephen Adams, and Stephen Adams played a ton. Uh, he went to the Knicks and was a beast for several games, but no. he Until they stopped playing him. Until they stopped playing him for some weird reason, although every team seems to do that now, and it's very odd. Vincent Poirier, Poirier I, I actually really like him, and I've liked what I, I liked what I've seen from him in his bursts and in uh, playing internationally, but no. I mean, he'd just be taking on the Zizitz role. Why, why do they need to trade for that? They could sign that, and... The 14th pick is not something I'm looking at. I mean, it would be great to get two first-round picks, but you're trading your Swiss Army Knife that can play three positions. He can pass like a point guard. He can shoot threes like a shooting guard. He can rebound like a true five, and he can dunk like LeBron. Almost, almost, almost. Not quite, but Larry Nance Jr.'s dunks make you think, yeah, he's his father's son. Absolutely his father's son, but no. Yeah. This can't this, – this is just – I laugh because the Cavs are, have Drummond this year and I, I ho- hopefully he sticks around. They might draft a center. You know, they, they just got Jordan Bell. Why? Why do they want to have five centers? I, I – and who, who are they going well, to get? Think, it's just, no, big no for what me. What were you saying? No, big no for me. Go ahead, Justin. I was going to
0: say, I think Jordan Bell definitely gets waived in this situation. I think Tristan Thompson definitely doesn't come back in this situation just because you have so many bigs. I don't like Vincent Poirier. I don't know what he brings. And as center, you just can't play him on defense. I mean, he's a fine regular season center, and he can give you offensive rebounding and finishing around the rim in short bursts, but just not somebody who can stick on the floor for too long. The 14th pick, I mean, you can still maybe get a wing in that spot. You know, you, there's going to be, you know, Aaron Nismith, Sadiq Bey, maybe available there, maybe not. Right. But overall, I Again, John Hollinger is a very smart person, and I'm sure he, he probably just threw this out there. I doubt he even put that much thought into it. But you would have to go, like, I don't even know what I would take to make this trade work. Like, you would have to throw another first-rounder in there before it's even really a conversation for me, especially because you're taking back two players that, you know, don't even play for the Celtics, really.
2: Yep, exactly. So. Um, you, you also you can't, once you get it, you don't trade a Nance. You you don't trade a Nance. You can trade for a Nance. You don't trade a Nance, <laughs> especially a Nance Junior who wears the retired twenty two. I hope he I hope yeah. he retires. The I hope that that twenty two is the first number for any team ever to be in the Raptors with two different names on it. Nance. That'd be pretty cool. And Nance Junior.
0: Yep. That'd be really really cool. You know if say Larry Nance does retire here, Junior retires here. That'd be really. That'd be something. I haven't even really thought about that about them retiring. Both Nance and Nance Junior. But
2: that would be that would be that's the that's the ultimate father son power duo. That the Griffys hitting back to back home runs will finally stop getting overly credited as being <laughs> the duo. I know, yeah, they were teammates. That's great, but like two Nances in Cleveland having a big impact, throwing down dunks and making an electrifying the crowd over what a three or four decade span, basically with some years in between. That's just nuts.
0: All right. Well, before we get out of here. We got to talk about the finals a little bit. Game five last night was bonkers. (laughs) I mean, we all know how it ended. LeBron, you know, is triple teamed on a drive. He makes the pass out to Danny Green. Danny Green misses the shot, which, okay. I, I just want to say this. I know we were talking about it a little bit before we started recording, Zach, but Danny Green does not deserve the hate that he is getting. Yes, Danny Green missed the shot. Yes, Danny Green has missed plenty of shots, especially in the playoffs in his career. But one, LeBron made the right play, passing to the open man. And two, even though it was kind of a bad miss, it was pretty short. Everybody misses a shot. The person who deserves blame in this situation is Markeith Morse, who ended up with the rebound somehow. And instead of even, again, had an open look from, you know... Inside the arc to win the game, to win the finals, to be a legend in L.A. forever, to have, you know, with however many seconds, two seconds left on the clock, Keith Morris could have been the guy that won the finals for the Lakers, and he passes it out of bounds.
2: Yeah, uh, first off, to, to think that that when all the moves were made in March, that it would be Keith not Marcus, with a chance to make the biggest shot of the NBA season is just crazy. Because Markeith was an afterthought after playing for the Pistons for the last few years. No one gave him much attention. No. And, yeah, so basically, uh, Danny Green's open. He misses. He wasn't—Danny Green's more of a corner guy anyway. Which is what CJ McCollum had said in his tweet. He had a lot to say after the game. He had a
0: lot to say after the game defending Danny.
2: And I'm I'm with that. I'm with you too. Look, Danny didn't make the shot. You're not going to make 100% of the shots you take. For all the game winners LeBron himself has made, he's missed some. You know, Kyrie's missed winners before. Kobe didn't make every shot he took. And it's because of the ones, it's the shots you miss that make you the player you are. Because you have the confidence to know you can just do it again. And Yeah, Markeith wanted AD in the post. AD had obviously been hobbled anyway, so probably limited his ability to jump for it. He had Bam on him. He threw it away. He had LeBron open here. He had another guy open here. But take the jumper! This was the only ba- bad, bad game I've seen for Markeith. Markeith swung the series against the Rockets with his three-point shooting. Markeith almost helped the Lakers win game three with his shooting. And he just, he had, I don't think he had a single point in this one. He was awful. I think that... It's, I I don't understand how he made the mistake, but I know we're going to talk Jimmy in a second, but just first player ever with 35, 10 and 10 and five steals. The way he was just ripping the ball away from the strongest man in the world on a basketball court, LeBron James, was just unbelievable. He scored on every sequence in the final two minutes. I think he had eight or 10 yeah. points, and he didn't miss a free throw. He was probably... Dying inside, he played roughly the whole game. <laughs> and Justin, they come out of a timeout. He makes both free throws. That I think adds pressure. You have all that time off. You're sitting on the bench, and you have For to sure. get up. Yeah. And he did it. I, I mean, I was just hoping he'd get one personally, but they did it. And the fact is, trade deadline is ruling this series on the Lakers. You have Markeef having a monumental impact, except of this case in a loss. And on the other end, you have Jay Crowder and Andre Iguodala, who made the biggest defensive plays of the game. So, just, wow.
0: Yeah. Also, just to circle back to Danny Green real quick, he did shoot two for five in this game. That's 40%. So, just want to throw that out there. Still had a fine game, even if he missed one open shot. Yep. But, I, I did not see this coming again from Jimmy. I mean, I guess, you know, I should have. After he had his 40 point triple double earlier in the series, yeah, I just, I didn't know if he could keep going. (laughs) I didn't know if he could keep going. I didn't know if Bam was going to give him that much coming off of his injury. I think he played really, really well last night overall. He did have the missed dunk. You know, maybe that was kind of due to some shoulder irritation that kind of just limited him. I don't know. But overall, I thought he played very well. Um, he had a key stop on LeBron late in the game. But, Overall, just – I still don't think the Heat are going to win this series, but it's just funny to look back after game two and everyone was talking about how disappointing this final series was because the Lakers were just going to roll over them. And, I mean, that looking back, obviously it was premature, but even at the time it's just like – you know, Jimmy's just – Jimmy's something else. He's really something
2: else. So – People never learn, man, and you know the thing about Jimmy is that he's never had, for all the great performances he's had, I think he may. He either had a 50, I think he had 58 in a game for Philly last year, I think, but even didn't if... Um, 58? Hold on. If he didn't have 58, it was when Kemba had 60 and Jimmy just said, forget it, I'm winning the game. I might have that mixed up, but either, he spoiled Kemba scoring 58, I think.
0: It was maybe that's it. That might be,
2: but that either, might that, be that's it. just who he is. I mean, look, it, who knows what would happen if that shot didn't go in for Kawhi and it goes to overtime. But Jimmy's always been a winner. Jimmy took the Timberwolves to so their only playoff appearance without Garnett in who knows how many years, and then he comes here first season and just does this in the finals. Like, oh, TJ. Warren. Well, I honestly thought TJ Warren was more effective. i I'm, I will admit for a short time. I was brainwashed by recency bias, (laughs) and T.J. Warren just happened to drop 53 in the bubble in, what, his second game? Or that might have been their first game. Something like that. So, but he shut him down for a whole playoff series, and now he he is literally being covered by the Defensive Player of the Year runner-up, Anthony Davis, and LeBron when it's not AD. He's covering both those guys. He, oh my, and he didn't sit. It says, that apparently he sat for 50 seconds, but I don't remember any part of the game where he wasn't in. It was just unbelievable. This man is on a mission, and if the Heat do win, we are erasing the Cavs' 3-1 comeback. We're erasing everything. ESPN didn't even acknowledge the Heat before the game, and now it's still a series. Oh, my
0: God. I hated that. That whole, yeah, the whole preview (laughs) to the game was just Lakers highlights. Like,
2: Yep. (laughs) Okay. Joke's on you, guys. April Fool's came early this year.
0: Yeah, um... What's your prediction for the series as of right oh, now? Oh, I
2: got it. I got to make one. Well, I, f- well, um, luckily, actually, this is unlucky. I uh, for the, the company I write for, I I, have, I write game previews for the whole series, and I had the Heat winning Game Four and the Lakers winning Game Five. So a little little flip flop. I thought originally, I never made a prediction for the finals, Justin. When I recorded on my podcast on uh, Sportitude, I said if the Heat win, it's in seven. If the Lakers win, it's in six. So uh, here we are, <laughs> coming to Game Six. I. <sighs> I think the Lakers are going to end it. I just can't see them losing again. But at the same time, if the Heat can win with a seven-man rotation and everyone staying out of extreme foul trouble and everyone playing their role like this, if Duncan Robinson can shoot like this or just be the threat he is, it's incredible. I don't think I've ever seen a team, Justin, that uses as much time as the Heat do on most possessions have the effectiveness in big games that they do because... The two possessions in the fourth quarter, which I thought were going to lose them, everything. Kendrick Nunn had just made a three, so five seconds into the clock. He takes another one, misses it. Lakers come down and score. And then two possessions, the very next possession or the one after, I can't recall, Jimmy takes a quick three. I'm not sure why. It's not his game. Misses it. The Heat went through a long, cold tree. It was like a 17-3 Laker run in the middle of the fourth. And but when they slow it down is when they're at their best which is usually only the case in the last two minutes of a game that's the case for them all the time the way they run the half court offense is something that most teams you don't want to run a half court set ever and that's what you want with the heat how many other teams have ever been like that and in over the course of basketball so
0: how about duncan robinson last night too you know finally breaks through and has the game I think, what did he end with, 23 points? 26
2: points, seven 26. threes.
0: Yeah, just just finally broke through, so I was happy to see this. We're recording this on Saturday morning. It'll be going up probably Monday morning, so we will have game six of the finals by then. Um, we'll obviously see what happens there. I originally predicted Lakers in five. Um, I guess I'll just make that Lakers in six. Now, again, I, I expected a very, very, very competitive five game series. Yeah. You know, I thought every game would be close, but I thought the Lakers would pull out in the end. Um, I expect more of the same in game six. I expect that to be another incredible game. Well, obviously, again, we'll see Monday morning. This will be going up and we'll be talking about, you know, game, game five instead of game six. Maybe we'll have a game seven. So,
2: uh, anything else before we get out of here? Yeah, I just want to say, Justin, thank you to the basketball gods for not ending the bubble. Uh, last night, I was very ner- I was very worried that we weren't going to be able to watch basketball again in what's been a horrible <laughs> overall 2020, but we get one more game, so we get another two and a half hours to forget about the problems of everyday life and just enjoy this incredible series. So thank you to the basketball gods for delivering that for us.
0: Thank you very much. Everybody out there, thank you very much for listening. Um, if you enjoyed you know, subscribe, rate, review, do all that fun stuff or don't if you don't really want to. That's fine, too. Thank you for listening. Thank you, Zach, for coming on. Always fun. And we will see you next time.
2: Yep. Bye. Thanks, Justin. It's been a great Saturday morning.
1: If you have an existing podcast or are looking to launch your own pod but aren't sure where to start, the team at my podcast manager can help. Our podcast team works behind the scenes so you can do what you do best. We'll help you launch your podcast, make it sound great, and free up your time for the more enjoyable parts of podcasting. If you're ready to put your podcast editing, production, and promotion on autopilot with a trusted team of podcasting professionals, visit MyPodcastManager.com to get started.
0: Thank you for listening to Cavalier Central. Be on the lookout for another episode coming soon.